0: This is The Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. going on Orlando Magic fans. You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is November 23rd, 2020. Thanksgiving is just a few days away. Jonathan here. We have an awesome episode for you guys. Today we had Philip Rossman-Reich from Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. Great episode for you guys. We talked some free agency stuff thus far. uh, Front office philosophy, why they've made certain moves and why they haven't made other moves. And we also talk about draft night, Cole Anthony, how he's going to fit into the Magic and a bunch of other Orlando Magic stuff really great episode for you guys we're not going to waste any time it is pretty lengthy so we're going to get right into our discussion with philip rossman reich hope you guys enjoy all right ladies and gentlemen we are here with philip rossman reich uh, from orlando magic daily and locked on magic phil how are you doing my friend
1: I am doing good. It's been a good sports weekend uh, outside of maybe free agency, but I think that's what we'll be talking about. So we'll, we'll talk ourselves into it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to talk. <laughs> we'll talk ourselves into it. Into it. That's, that's what it, I do. It depends who you ask at this point, how how free agency is going. But no, all jokes aside, it's great to have you on the show. Um, it's been something that I've been planning on for a, a really long time. Glad that we were able to uh, sit down and, and uh, we'll talk some Orlando Magic basketball and we'll, we'll talk about free agency, right? So... I think that's probably a, as good a place as any to start. Uh, as many of you know, uh, the Magic decided. Let, let's start where the what the Magic decided not to do, as far as um, you know. We talk about DJ Augustine and uh, especially West Awundu, who, um, depending on who you ask, it really became a, a fan favorite over the last couple of years. You know, hashtag West God. Um, if, Phil we'll start with you give me your takes on you know the decision to um not extend a qualifying offer to to Wes um who now it looks like is going to be signing with the Dallas Mavericks
1: yeah I mean I thought it was it, it was uh, a, an interesting decision for sure um I thought that I thought that you know there on one hand Wes Wes has been really good um you know I think for for Magic team that that for a Magic front office that's been decent at drafting. Like, Wessa Wundu was actually one of the better draft picks that they had. I mean, he's a guy that was, you know, pretty raw, but that felt like could contribute pretty quickly. He found a niche with this Magic team and, and contributed some really important minutes for the team over, over his time with Orlando. Um, the frustrating part with the Wundu was they just, they just couldn't find any spot on the floor for him. And so, on one hand, you know, I, I'm disappointed that they didn't, you know, even attempt to keep him. Uh, because I think that he would be a really valuable piece of this team, and I think that he would he would be able to play a role for this team. But I think, on the other hand, I'm just like, there's no place for him to play. There's no opportunity for him here. And, you know, it doesn't make sense necessarily to invest a ton of money or invest a ton of time in a guy that just doesn't have a pathway to play. I mean, obviously, they've drafted Cole Anthony. They've got Chumo Kiki coming in. They've got guys in coming in that need minutes and and it's just a roster squeeze. Um, You know, Steve Clifford said he trusted Wessowundu a ton. um, And whenever the magic needed a spot starter, Wesawundu was always the guy. But at the end of the day, when the magic kind of had that space to have a starter, they didn't use it. They, you know, they went out and got James Ennis. And to me, that was a pretty clear sign that the magic just didn't have ultimate faith in Wessowundu. Now seeing that Wessowundu got a veterans minimum deal with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, you know, it makes me wonder like, okay, if, if all a one dude was going to get was the, the minimum, then why not bring him back? I mean, I, I think a one dude is a better option than Dwayne Bacon. Um, you know, I think Bacon is solid for what he is. He's, you know, maybe a little bit bulkier and can defend threes a little bit better. But a one dude knows what you're doing, he knows what you're trying to run. He's a, a guy that you've invested a lot of time in, and, and he's a solid player. I think, I, I think that he will find a role with the Mavericks, and I think he'll probably succeed a lot more with the Mavericks because they're able to space the floor a little bit more than the Magic are. But I I, I I understand why Iwandu is no longer with the Magic. Um, I, I am a little disappointed that he, he didn't get the opportunity that that I think he probably earned and, and deserved to look at um, a little bit closer than he got here.
2: Luke, what about you? Um, as as far as it goes, I mean, I I tend to think that you know as far as the discrepancy between Dwayne Bacon and Aundu, it's hard because you know you saw one dude come in and he did what he was supposed to do for Orlando, but also, you know, had low shooting numbers, which is something that Dwayne Bacon also had um, in his most recent year. However, if you look the year before that, Dwayne Bacon had really good shooting numbers comparatively to what he has done as of late. Um, So I think that, you know, while I, I agree that it was a little weird to see basically that, that, that switch, between going between a one do and bacon you got to think that the the front office it just plays into their longer term um, goal which I think is what a lot of people don't see when when stuff like this happens right they they just immediately knee-jerk reaction but they don't know they all they see is that you know all they think is that you know the board says Dwayne bacon on it and they don't see the future development of what they want the where that front office wants to go in the future who knows this could play a a, a decent role in kind of where the magic head. Um, so I think that people are probably being a little too critical of Dwayne Bacon for what it is. Um, and I think that we should give Dwayne Bacon a shot and a did serve his time with us and his did really well, um, for what he was asked to do. And I, I think that, you know, in the end, you know, you kind of just have to trust the front office on that Dwayne Bacon, you know, bringing him in over Wes Wundu. I kind of have, I I wouldn't really
0: say that it's a hot take, but, As, you know, the the last couple of days, I've just been trying to make sense of it and kind of see what the front office is thinking might have been and kind of, you know, what, you know, Wes's feelings were. And I feel like, you know, and Phil, you kind of alluded to it, you know, the trade deadline deciding to bring in James Ennis and then kind of Wes was out of the rotation almost immediately. Right. Um, You know, Wes is a team guy, but I think that he probably felt a certain way about that. And uh, in his conversations with the Magic, um, you know, if he wasn't going to have a, a real spot in the rotation, I think he probably wanted to go somewhere where he was going to have a chance to earn that opportunity. The Magic know what they're getting out of Wes Awundu, um and, and kind of he knows where he stands, right? If he, if they were just going to essentially run it back, Wes was at the beginning of the year probably going to find himself again out of the rotation. And then when it comes to the deal that he got, you know, with the Mavericks, uh, two-year veteran minimum, I believe it is. I don't know if we have any type of. Um, news if there's any kind of option attached to that but um, maybe he was looking for that two-year maybe he was looking for a little bit more security than just that qualifying offer which I believe just would have kept him on for one more year so um, it definitely feels like Wes is a guy that if he doesn't find like a real role with the next team it's possibly this might be his last contract he might not get another shot um, to you know be on an NBA roster I definitely like the fit For the Mavericks. I've been talking for months, uh, especially when he was kind of moved out of the lineup in favor of James Ennis, that Wes, in my opinion, is the kind of guy that we've seen over and over and over again is gonna go to a quality team where so much of, of the way that you play in the NBA is fit, it's it's the situation that you're in. He's gonna be on a playoff team in like a game five or a game six on the road. He's gonna have like a five minute stretch where he's got you know a couple of steals, a transition layup, an open three, and then we're gonna see the tweets. Why did the Magic give up Wessa Wundu? <laughs> like, how many times do we have to see that? So, uh, but that's just kind of my take. I don't know, Phil. If if you have um, any kind of response to that,
1: no, no, I think I. I mean, I think that's completely true. I mean, I think we saw him have those stretches with the Magic. I mean, again, like Steve Clifford said it over and over and over again. When we give Wes consistent minutes, because I mean Clifford. You know, Clifford has strengths and weaknesses, and sometimes his strengths are his weaknesses, and his weaknesses are his strengths sometimes. Um, but he would say, you know, he he very much believes in giving guys consistent playing time and putting them in consistent groups, and that's how you build kind of consistency and, and, and rhythm. He would always say, if we give a one-do the time, he's going to be fine. He's going to perform well. And, and that was true. I mean, you look at how he did after the All-Star break when, like, Ennis came in and everyone's roles kind of got set more properly and played really really well and, and even in the bubble I thought Wundue played you know decently well um, so it, it's always been about consistent minutes for Wundue and you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know and his camp came to Weltman and said look you know we like it here in Orlando we you know we would love to stay but you know if you can't give us guaranteed minutes then what are we doing here like why you know, why not why not let us go somewhere else you can you could find what you're looking for cuz at the end of the day when we're talking about Wes and and Dwayne Bacon we're talking about like the thirteenth or fourteenth man on the roster. We're talking about a guy that's only get, that's kind of a break break uh, glass in case of emergency type guys. And you know, one thing that, that has stood out this this offseason, one of the quotes that stood out this offseason was the athletic did that uh, agent poll. And the only place the magic were mentioned in that entire poll that 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 the writer did with, with agents was Jeff Weltman will not lie to you. Like Jeff Weltman has never lied to me. Uh, and, and I think that reputation is something that, that Weltman, like, I think he's proud of it. I think that's something he wants to do. I'm honestly like, that Evan Fournier rumor that came out, and who knows if it's true or not, um, to me that was more of a sign of, you know, the fact that Fournier opted in and that rumor still peaked out was more of a sign of opt-in, we'll take care of you. That's the, I think that's the way the Magic want to conduct business and, the, and, and kind of the reputation the Magic want to have. And so... To me, you know, this Wundu situation very much smells of, and maybe this is me being an optimist, which I tend to be when it comes to the magic, this this awundu situation very much smells to me of the magic wanted to keep one awundo wanted playing time, and so the magic did right by the player, then maybe necessarily what's 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 best for them. Um, knowing that, you know, Dwayne Bacon, Wes Owandu, the difference is frankly kind of negligible. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Wes. I, I don't dislike Dwayne Bacon, don't get me wrong. But we're talking about a guy that's at the end of the bench. I think the magic kind of in, the, in their calculation said it's better that we have a good relationship with agents and a good reputation with agents rather than saying, let's, let's keep a guy here who isn't going to get a chance.
0: And players talk, right? Like if you get mistreated by a team, yeah. you're going to go to the next team and let guys know, Hey, these guys in Orlando did me dirty. And then that's going to hinder, mm-hmm. you know, potential free agents. We all know Orlando is not the hot spot for free agency, right? So we kind of need to do everything that we can to keep that reputation as high as possible. So I, I really like that, yep. the point that you made there. Wes Awundu, Dwayne Bacon, it's really kind of a, an inconsequential move. Um, I did want to bring up hairs. what you said yeah, exactly. You're splitting hairs. I did just want to touch on really briefly before we jump into to the DJ conversation about Evan, uh, the the take that you had that the you know opt in and we'll take care of you. Are you meaning like we'll try to get you to your preferred destination when the time comes, when the appropriate trade you know kind of uh you know arises?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I th- I mean, my sense with with Jeff Waltman, while he is not upfront with the media, uh, although I think he's you know fairly no. like open with the media. Like he says, he says, he says all that he has to say. Um yeah, right. I, my, my sense is that, you know, the guys, the, the team knows where they stand with Jeff Wolman. They know where they stand with Steve Clifford, too. Like, you know, everyone is very upfront with them. I don't think there's a lot hidden or, or any hidden motives or hidden agendas when it comes to this team. Um, you know, maybe I have that maybe I have that wrong, but but that's my sense. And so you know, when I saw that Evan Fournier rumor that, you know, he'd like to play for the Clippers, you know, he'd like to, essentially, he'd like to play for a winning team. That's that's what I gathered from that. He wants to still be competing and playing on a playoff team. He wasn't going to get that if he opted out. And so, you know, he could have very easily gone to the, you know, opted out of the contract and forced the Magic to make a decision on him now. Um, but I think there is a little, little bit of level, little bit of trust there. Because I, I honestly... I think all these guys know what the situation is. I mean, Aaron Gordon's been in trade rumors so much. I'm sure he knows that he is on the hot seat, that, mm-hmm, this, right. that this season essentially is an audition because once Jonathan Isaac's back, it's Jonathan Isaac's show. He's going to get that extension or he's going to get a new contract. And all of a sudden, Aaron Gordon's on thin ice again. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think Aaron Gordon, or his, if, if his agent isn't telling him this, he needs to be. Mm-hmm. This is a contract year for Aaron Gordon. This is a prove-it year for Aaron Gordon. Um, but I, they all know this stuff. Like Evan Fournier knows that the Magic aren't going to have the money to pay him next season. Um, as much as he, whether he wants to stay in Orlando, I, I think he does. I, you know, he's kind of built a nice life here. He's, his family is here um, now. They've, they've kind of settled it, settled in. But he knows that his time in Orlando is running short. You know, Nikola Vucevic knows that Mo Bamba is waiting in the wings. You know, for you know for for whenever and. You know, I, I think that they understand that you know if the magic are up front with them, they you know they can be up front front with them too. And, and so I think there is some type of mutual understanding that when the time comes, we will try to get you someplace you want to go. But no promises there either. Uh, you know, again, whether the magic are able to accomplish that or not, that's that's going to be a question. And certainly the magic have their own goals for the twenty twenty one season. That I'm sure they want to accomplish that. Evan Fourney matters for, but. We'll see what happens when we get closer to the trade deadline or whenever the trade season is going to be. Who knows when it's going to be with with how things are are stacking up this season. But um, but uh, it's 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 really hard. It's really hard to say whether the magic will be able to you know keep a promise or or say you know we will do our best uh, to to get you where you want to be.
2: And and you had an article recently, Phil, where you talked about kind of trade value on the market, and that's a whole other thing, really, than what I'm kind of pointing to uh, in this discussion, which is. You went on to say at near the end of the article, um, Evan Fournier might not be dealt right now, but it seems like it's inevitable, like you kind of just alluded to. Um, basically, don't panic change could be coming with that, with with the state of the magic right now. And I think that magic fans need to hear that because a lot of the times, especially right now, and we'll get into this later, but a lot of people, especially on magic Twitter are just, you know, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Uh, Why is not, why isn't Evan Fournier gone? And some of them, it just, you know, there's, there's some crazy perspective out there um, about this, but it's something for, you know, listeners to, to note before, you know, we move on in this conversation. Evan Fournier isn't going to be a, a magic lifer, it doesn't seem. So um, just don't hit the panic button yet. Just understand that those guys in the front office are there for a reason, <laughs> and this trade will come, and it, it'll pass. And you guys don't need to worry about, you know, the, you don't need to hit the panic button yet.
1: But, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say this too. Like, frustration is warranted. Um, you know, I, I I honestly think that frustration is warranted. You know, obviously, you know, we're recording on a Sunday night here it's still relatively early in the offseason. Things can still happen. I mean, the work is not done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I understand and, and, you know, sympathize probably isn't the right word, but, but I, I agree that frustration is warranted. Uh, this offseason should have been a magic beginning to put pieces in place and kind of set the table for what their future is going to be, for the kind of team that they want to be when they're good. It's, I mean, this, this year without Jonathan Isaac, you know, frankly— it's kind of a lost year. It's kind of a year that yeah. doesn't matter. Um do you, you know I hate to say that.
2: Do you think that if Jonathan Isaac was healthy none of this happens blah blah blah. blah, blah. Uh we go into this year a healthy Jonathan Isaac, you know, Chuma, what whatever he will be, Cole Anthony. Do you think that the circumstances and the moves made in off, in the offseason are more aggressive or more passive or what do you think this looks like if j.i is completely healthy you know we're gonna make the playoffs it's a lock um and you gotta make some like what do you think they would have done
1: so i i I don't know if they'd be more aggressive necessarily or we'd see them kind of take a a big move to to like a a splashy move to step forward Mm -hmm. what i do think they do is they position themselves better to push jonathan isaac forward a little bit Or they, you know, they kind of put themselves in a place where Jonathan Isaac's going to have a bigger role. And honestly, like I think what that means is essentially they trade Aaron Gordon, like for whatever they can get, they trade Aaron Gordon. I mean, one thing that I think I mentioned in that article um, is that you know more likely than not the Magic aren't going to be able to get another star for one of their players. That's just not kind of how they're positioned in the market. But what they could get is another starter caliber player and a bench player, you know, someone that gives them a little bit of a little bit of a, a boost and. And, you know, I think the one thing that the Magic have to do and have to accomplish is they have to start pushing their young players a little bit more forward. Or they have to see that their young players, you know, you're, you know, Jonathan Isaac obviously out this year, but Mo Bamba, Chumo Kiki, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz especially. They have to probably feel more comfortable pushing them into bigger roles. And I think that's that's kind of what the season's going to be about is, you know, is Mo Bamba ready to start? You know, are, are we in a position where we're comfortable to trade uh, Nikola Vucevic. Um, Is Chuma Okiki a player? What kind of player is Chuma Okiki? Can Markel Fultz be a lead guard? What do we have in Cole Anthony? What kind of player can we see him becoming? Those are kind of the big questions the Magic have to ask themselves and answer this year to begin moving their pieces around a little bit more. Um, if, If Jonathan Isaac were healthy, you know the way Jonathan Isaac played last year, both inside the bubble and beforehand, made me feel pretty confident that it, you know, if the right Aaron, you know, not necessarily the right Aaron Gordon trade, but an Aaron Gordon trade makes sense. Probably not the one that Portland offered or, or whatever, but a deal just kind of moving Aaron Gordon along to bring in, you know, kind of players to boost the depth and push Jonathan Isaac into a bigger role. I think that deal would have made a lot more sense. But obviously, with Isaac out now, trading Aaron Gordon becomes much more difficult because, you know, do you trust Alf Rukuminu's healthy? Do you trust Jumo Kiki's healthy? The, at the end of the day, Goal one for the Magic is still to be a playoff team. They still want to make the playoffs. This is, you know, I think the one thing that we saw this offseason is the Magic aren't willing to give up on the playoff hopes. Because if the Magic wanted to just kind of give up on the season completely, clearly there were deals out there for them to do so, to take on expiring veteran contracts and draft picks, just kind of take on bad money with, with draft capital. The Magic weren't interested in any of those, and that's ultimately why I didn't think they were able to get a deal done.
0: We also saw the you know the kind of the conversation is why did the Magic choose to you know hang on to Gary Clark versus Wesolundo and kind of the points that you just made is Chuma healthy is Alfred Kaminu healthy Gary Clark is is one of is insurance for one of those guys right um, There's been jokes out there that Gary Clark may very well be like the best thirteenth man in the league right now uh, We've seen that you know he is able to you know contribute in like a spot start um, a guy that you know, has shown flashes of being a, a pretty solid rotation guy. And I think he's just that. I think that's why the, the decision was there to choose Gary Clark over Wessowundu is in the instance that one of those guys isn't complete, completely healthy. Um, and then the point that, you know, you were speaking about and, Jonathan. And Isaac. To, and
1: to, and to, I'm so sorry to, to add ahead. to that too. Like, I mean, uh, another aspect that, that, you know, we can get into a little bit that I know that, you know, Jeff Waldman has said they've considered, there is such a quick turnaround for the season. You know, you're, you're starting training camp essentially December 1st. I think the first practice is scheduled for December 4th, and the season starts December 22nd. There's such a quick turnaround between the end of free agency or, or the kind of drying up of free agency and and the beginning of the season. I think there was at least some thought of, you know, we can't make drastic changes. I mean, the, the new guy that they added in Dwayne Bacon – He played for Steve Clifford and most of this coaching staff two years ago. Like, he is familiar with what's going to be expected of him and what he's going to have to do. Uh, So I do think that that matters, too. And, you know, again, like Gary Clark, they know that they can trust him for a spot start. I mean, we don't know what the schedule's going to look like. It it could be really, really rushed and hampered and, like, kind of games, like, very, very much in a row. Um, And you're going to need, you know, I said this before the bubble, you're going to need all 15 guys at some point. You know, not everyone's going to play every game. There's going to be some load management, especially, honestly, I, I expect them to kind of manage Chumo Kiki a little bit. I expect them to manage Al a little bit, especially early in the season. So I think we're going to see everyone on the roster contribute something at some point this year.
0: To your point of, of continuity, the other change that I, I did want us to, to touch on briefly is the decision to, to move on from DJ Augustine. So, I don't know how you both feel, but, uh, the, the writing was kind of, kind of on the wall, uh, that 15th selection of, of Cole Anthony. Luke, what about you?
2: Uh, yeah, you said, you don't know how, uh, how we feel about moving on from DJ, but you know how I felt. Um, (laughs) I, I made it very clear that, you know, I want everyone to get out of Markel Fultz's way and just let him develop. Um, I, I don't want Markel in a corner, I don't want DJ bringing the ball up and Markel kind of having to just do his own thing on the side. Um, I didn't want no more backwards, so in that,
0: backwards behind the back bounce Yeah, passes. behind the
2: back passes. Listen, and and I'll say this. It, it might sound like I don't like DJ, and that is absolutely not the case. I, um, I appreciated his time. That shot in game one against Toronto um, two years ago is one of my favorite moments as a Magic fan, so I'm forever grateful for that. Um, however... Uh, For the future of the team, I think it was best to move on from DJ. Let Markel officially have the keys because he really didn't have the keys at all times last year at all, um, which was the right call at that point. He probably wasn't necessarily ready until the end of the year. Um, However, going into this year, for his confidence, I think you had to say, Hey, Markel, we trust you, so we're going to let DJ leave the picture. Um, And I think that will do wonders for Markel's confidence to just play without having to look over his shoulder about who's coming in and who's not. Um, and, and so I, I think that'll be really good. Uh, then you said, you know, leading up to the picking Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony is a shot creator. We had Eric Fawcett on last week, um, who does mock draft stuff for NBA Canada and a lot of other places. Um, and he was saying, you know, this is a shot creators league and Cole Anthony has the ability to do those things. He is a shot creator. Um, there are some things obviously as any rookie needs, uh, to kind of, um, get better at. Uh, But as far as that goes with Cole Anthony, it took me all of two minutes to be convinced that Cole Anthony was the right pick there, despite me looking at other guys in that situation um, and really didn't even have Cole Anthony on my radar, even though I should have in that moment at at 15, because it felt like so many guys were dropping uh, to us. Um, But all that to say, uh, a lot of film watching later, I'm fully convinced and, and very confident in Cole Anthony. Uh, I think it. You can't really call it, a, you know, a bad pick um, as of yet. If he doesn't pan out, sure. But right now, uh, I think he is going to be a good player. Um, he's going to get some solid minutes, I think, out out of the gate. Um, and I, I think that you know, moving on from DJ and and some of those guys are kind of giving him some more leeway to get those valuable minutes on a competitive team. Because let's be honest, if 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 the magic blow up the roster this year, you're dealing with got young guys who aren't going to get valuable minutes. They're going to get minutes, but they're not going to be in competitive games. They're not going to be in games that matter. Um it it is a lot to be said for young guys that get very valuable minutes late in the season when you're pushing for the playoffs. Those games are far more um important than if you blew up the roster and they didn't, you know, and they had less valuable minutes. So that's where I'm at, I think. And how about you, Phil?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like I said, every move the Magic needed to make this, this offseason had to have some eye on the future, at least the long-term moves. Uh, and, you know, letting go of DJ Augustine was, was clearly a, a move that had a vision of what this team needs to be or, or can become. Um, DJ Augustine, at least by some metrics um, that, that, I, that I've had access to, uh, had one of the most negative impacts on pace in the entire league. Um, and, you know, no. Steve Clifford said all last year, we, yeah, I know. I know. There are numbers <laughs> to back up what our eyes are yeah. clearly telling us. Um, you know, they're, they're very clearly, like Steve Clifford said, the Magic needed to play with more pace. And, and again, that's not necessarily like number of possessions, but just the way the offense moves. And, you know, D.J. Augustine's very good at managing the game. You know, his pick and roll combination with Nikola Vucevic was fantastic. Um, but he moves very slowly. He gets the team into the offense very slowly. And that's fine in certain respects. That's fine in some areas. And obviously the Magic need to shooting. Um, but... From a playstyle fit, that that, that no longer works for this team uh, and is no longer what the team wants to be. Uh, So I think letting him go and, you know, essentially choosing Michael Carter-Williams to bring back was the right decision. I will say this in DJ's defense, though. I think a lot of people don't understand necessarily um, how much DJ adds to this team in the locker room and how much he adds to the team behind the scenes. Um, Absolutely. He is in everyone's ear, uh, you know, like... I think Steve Clifford and Jeff Waltman both said after the season ended, you know, DJ was very influential on Markel Fultz. And, you know, honestly, my biggest concern that uh, of the Magic's offseason so far is they did not add another veteran to replace him. Or, they, you know, they don't have another guy that's that's kind of well-established in that locker room that isn't necessarily a starter or pushing for starters minutes that can really influence the young guys on that team. I mean, I I, would tell, I, won't tell, I can tell you so many times... It, after practice, you know, when we're, when we're all, you know, when the media is all waiting for players to come by, DJ is out there playing shooting games, you know, talking trash with the, with the G League players, with the two-way guys. Um, He's the one that, you know, they, I think, I think the players called it like at, you know, school or something. Um, DJ, DJ was, was always the guy kind of making sure those young players got in extra work, Um, you know, made it fun, you know, kept everything loose. And, and I do think that the magic didn't necessarily replace that. And, and I actually like as far as the magics playoff hopes, I think losing DJ Augustine you know is a big concern for the team off the court more than on the court, uh, more than what he brought on the court. And, and I think it's going be' to be interesting to see how the magic replace that. I mean it might be Al Camino. I mean I, th- I, I don't know how Faruk has felt in the Ross and within the locker room because he was not around that much because of the injury. Um, and, I mean he's a veteran that I think can do a lot of those things too, but he's more of a reserved quiet guy too. You know, I don't know if he's going to be able to give those intangible leadership qualities that that Augustine certainly gave to this team. So, my that's my biggest concern with with Augustine. But I do think it was ultimately the right decision uh, to let him walk, um, because the Magic have other needs uh, and and another identity that they want to build that that Augustine no longer fits.
0: I definitely, I definitely understand where you're coming from with the with the chemistry concerns. Um, I've had a feeling, obviously we're not as close to the team as you are, but I've definitely had a feeling for the last few years that not that the, not that the, the team is cliquish, but maybe the best way to describe it would be isn't perhaps as close as, as you would hope so. if you Like a couple of years ago, like the D'Angelo Russell Nets and that whole bench unit, you could just tell that certain teams just love playing together, you know what I mean? And and at times it's very much apparent we've had a great bench unit, uh, especially when you talk about guys like Wes Awundu or, you know, Emil Jefferson, really into it. But, um, no, I, I definitely think that that, that should not go – um, unnoticed the effect that, that DJ had on that locker room and not to compare DJ to, to Cole Anthony, but um, following him at North Carolina and then just seeing you know some of the things that he said so far, um, I think what a lot of people would say is something that's been missing from this team for a long time it would be like that alpha male, right And now th- that's kind of it's, it's a tricky thing because in order to be the alpha male on an NBA roster your, your play almost always needs to back that up. And will time will tell whether or not that's going to be the case with with Cole Anthony, but um, I, you know he's best friends with Mo Bamba, and as hopefully we start to make that turn more towards the youth, I'm hoping the 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 young leaders on this team will be the ones that can you know really spark that chemistry, and, and hopefully that that won't be so much of an issue this year. But time time really will tell. Um, but yeah, as far as DJ is concerned, I felt like the the writing was on the wall. Uh for the, the really like the, the second half of the season when we really felt like it was Markell's time to, to really pick things up. Um, whether it's DJ's fault or, or Cliff's philosophies or whatever, I never felt like the right move w- was to put Markell in in the corner when DJ is definitely the more efficient spot-up shooter. Um, but again, time will tell. And, and and Phil, before we get into more of the, the the front office talk as we will in a moment um do you feel like that instance in particular you know when we would see DJ just almost pounding the the air out of the ball at times and kind of relegating Markel to the corner do you feel like that was maybe just Markel wasn't quite ready to take the reins of the offense or was that something that was more schematically from the coaching
1: staff I mean I think a lot of it's just trust um you know I I I know I know again Steve Clifford, his strengths are some of his biggest weaknesses, and, and some people that believe that something's a weakness of Steve Clifford is actually one of his biggest strengths. Um, getting, getting Steve Clifford's trust is very difficult. Um, he is a very demanding coach. He wants things done a certain way. And I honestly, I think a lot of people don't remember or, or forget that Steve Clifford went through an, a whole offseason of planning not knowing whether he'd even have Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz wasn't cleared to shoot or practice until, I think, what, two weeks before training camp. So I, I think some of the it, some of the frustrations that a lot of people had with, with how the Magic used Markel Fultz really, honestly, I, I feel like dates back to that. Dates back to the fact that the Magic could not play in for Markel Fultz until literally training camp was beginning. Um, and so, you know, I think some of what we saw there and how the Magic kind of brought... Fultz along slowly. I mean, very clearly. I mean, I give Steve Clifford a ton of credit for this. He put Fultz into the starting lineup five games into the season. He clearly knew that Fultz was the better option for this team. Even though, like, and I Clifford probably way outside of his comfort zone doing this because he, you know, he's very meticulous with his planning. Put him in the starting lineup uh, and, you know, manage his minutes still. I mean, I think, I don't think, you know, I, I think everyone was upset that Markell didn't play like 30 plus minutes and I was just like, you know, again, like DJ's not a bad player, number one, but number two, you know, they're still figuring out what they have in Marco Fultz. They they don't know how far they can push Marco Fultz every night. I think now they have a better idea of that. And, and I would honestly suspect that, you know, again, we didn't get to see it as much, I think, in the bubble because Fultz was was late arriving and and didn't kind of get himself... and wasn't, like, quite in game shape uh, and was behind everyone uh, getting back into the bubble. Um, I would suspect that entering this season, we will see the Magic, you know, use Marco Fultz in a completely different way. Um, and, and, and again... Probably letting DJ go to some extent and draft and again, maybe even drafting another point guard in the draft probably clues you into the fact that the Magic are very confident in what they have in Markel Fultz and, and and believe in what they can build with him. So again, we'll see we'll again we'll see what happens when, when games start and and, and and we actually see him out on the floor. But I think some of it was schematic. I think some of it was just kind of the overall planning, and some of it was just Markel Fultz had to earn his trust with Steve Clifford and it's you know very step by step process to get that, and and Fultz slowly, slowly got that. Uh,
0: I I I love I love that point. Um, I, I particularly love you know the fact that the Magic drafted Cole Anthony, um, DJ obviously again on his way out. But it's going to be really interesting to see how the two of them can potentially play together at times. We saw a lot of, you know, two point guard uh, lineups last season, especially as uh, as the bench players started to come in. So, um, but I wanted to take this as a, an opportunity to transition to to talk more about the the front office. We've talked about some of the the moves that they've made or that they haven't made, um, but just to, to try to talk about what we think the philosophy is behind these moves. Luke, I know you have been holding on to some takes. Um, I know you have a, a very strong opinion on this and how uh, Magic Twitter feels about this. So I'm, I'm going to hand the reins over to you and, and just kind of let you uh, get whatever you feel like you need to get off of your chest.
2: I need this, Jonathan. I, I know. It. I know it. I know. Uh, it. I <laughs> probably need it too with some of the, some of the stuff <laughs> I've been getting. Let's, yes, <laughs> let's do uh, it. Yeah, I, I, am,
1: I am not popular among Magic Twitter sometimes.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you have to have takes and – you definitely have takes, and I think people don't really like when people have differing takes on them. So um, all that to say, man, <laughs> the the front office, um, first of all, knows better than us. It's just that sometimes the things don't work out, and you can look back, and hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can say, see, I told you so uh unfortunately you know or fortunately we are not in that front office we don't know what they're thinking a lot of stuff that we've said on this episode thus far is uh pure speculation um but but like we've said drafting cole anthony gave us a good idea of what was to come um in terms of dj augustine dj is probably out the door at that point now that's obviously come to fruition um i i just think that People are far too quick to hit the panic button with the with this team. We had so many years where um, things didn't go our way. The front office did make really bad decisions, and it wasn't these guys. I should probably remind you. Um, And I think I'm I'm a big um, I I think my way of thinking is trust the front office until they burn you. I have not felt that this front office has burned us in any way um Markel Fultz I mean you you gave him up for what? I mean uh, Jonathan Simmons and that was pretty much it in in the grand scheme of things. So if anything they've done really good things for this, you know, for, for this franchise. Um we're in playoff talks every year now um uh, with the additions of Cliff and and Hennigan and 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 or not Hennigan, jeez, oh, that was terrible, uh, with Hammond and Waltman. <laughs> we, 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 knew, we, knew um, we knew what you meant. <laughs> well, well, I was, you know, i just all hot and bothered thinking about all this stuff because, jeez. Um, anyway, all that to say, um, they haven't burned us yet. And I think that that's the biggest thing that we need to note is until that happens, until they lose your trust, I think they've done a pretty good job gaining it, at least they have with mine. Um, so, yeah, I just think that you know, people are already saying, oh, they're not trading Evan. They're they're not doing this and they're not doing that. We'll, we'll give it time. Pre-agency just started. Um, we just had the draft. There was a lot of time left um, for, for him to get dealt. And then anytime before the deadline, it could happen. And then guess what? You're going to be saying, oh, thank goodness that they, you know, they moved on from Fournier. It, you know, I didn't really trust that they were going to do anything. So just trust that they're waiting on the right deal. That's the, the biggest thing. Some people, I feel like they think, you know, trade them for nothing, trade them for a bag of chips. And it's like, no, you're probably not going to be good with that return. If that were to happen. That's Um, what
1: the Sixers did. That's what the Sixers did with Markel Fultz. And and they,
2: they could have used Markel (laughs) Fultz. So yeah.
1: um, That's what the Nuggets did with Fournier.
2: Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that's kind of my way of thinking right now is just like, I'm not worried yet. I'm not panicking. I think, you would think that our fan base would be patient because we were taught to have patience through all those years, um, and now you know, one of the years that you know they finally don't do something you like that you want, at least not yet, then you freak out so it, it's it like Phil has said, some of the frustration is warranted because a lot of us thought or at least convinced ourselves that the magic were going to make big splashes immediately. However, with this front office. They don't tend to do that, so I don't know. I think I think a lot a lot of the frustration warranted is due in part to the expectations that we as fans, knowing nothing about the front office, set for the team. And I think so kind of we hurt ourselves there. I don't think I think if you thought realistically, you could probably could have told like front office wasn't gonna dive right into a deal right at the beginning.
1: Yeah, um, you know, let me let me let me add on to that then. Um, I I I think that a let's 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 start from this place. The twenty twenty season was incredibly disappointing. Um, it, it was not the step forward that I think a lot of us hoped it would be. Um, you know, entering the season, there was talk of Aaron Gordon becoming an All Star caliber player. Um, there was you know talk of competing for home court advantage. None of that happened. Um, you know, by record, the Magic went from forty two and forty to thirty three and forty. Uh, and you know, again, if the season had ended normally, if the season had ended kind of as a normal season would, the Magic probably end up at like 39 wins. Maybe for super optimistic, they get to 40, 41. So you know, maybe considering all the injuries the team faced this year, that's not a significant step back. But they still finish seventh, and and you know, probably losing the first round in, in another five games. I mean, Toronto was a tough matchup for them, especially without Isaac. So maybe that would have been a, maybe that would have been a sweep. Who knows. Um we do have to kind of segment out the bubble a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's that's still not progress. That's still not seeing the team um, take a step forward. And, and, you know, kind of everyone likes to say that the worst place to be in the NBA is the middle. Because you're not good enough to compete for a championship. And you're not bad enough to get a high lottery pick. And, and I would argue that that's the second worst place to be in the NBA. The worst place to be is the perennial lottery churn, which is where the Magic were beforehand. So... Yep. Regardless of anything else, give Jeff Weltman and his staff the benefit of the doubt that they have taken the magic from lottery churn to mediocrity. And and again, you don't want to be stuck in mediocrity. You always want a way forward. You always want a way to to get better. And again, teams that Jeff Weltman's been in charge of, teams that John Hammond's been in charge of, the Miami Heat that just went to the finals, are all proof that you can get better from being a, a mediocre team, from being in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, the disappointing part and I think where everyone is is very frustrated and, and rightfully so again is that those players that the Magic are going to need to do well to kind of make that big move that takes them over the top didn't do well this year you know Nikola Vucevic was about the same it took him a while to kind of regain his all-star status but I think by the end of the season we can all agree Vucevic was back to playing at an all-star level mm-hmm. um, Evan Fournier had a career season but I think a lot of people are still skeptical of Evan Fournier but those two guys aren't important. Those two guys ultimately probably are not part of this team's future. Mo Bamba developed a little bit, but in ways that fans can't clearly see. Um, Aaron Gordon did not become anywhere near the player that Aaron Gordon needed to be. Mm-hmm. And essentially, Aaron Gordon, like, he is the key to the whole thing. They needed him to have trade value. And to see that, like, the Portland Trailblazers offer Trevor a, a sixth the 16th overall pick and a lottery-protected pick for Aaron Gordon— that's not going to get the job done for the Magic. Uh, and so the disappointment and the Magic's inability to kind of take that next step is very much predicated on those young players that the Magic are willing to give up, not kind of keeping their value or not becoming players on the trade market. Um, and, and and that kind of leaves the Magic stuck a little bit um, because the Magic philosophically Want to compete for the playoffs? They believe that the playoffs are more valuable to young players developing than anything else. Um, playing in meaningful games is how you build good habits. It's how you get experience so that when you are in charge, when you are the guy, you've been in those situations before. Um, you know, again, for Magic fans, think back to Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo struggled in Orlando. Like he was, he was good, but he wasn't All Star good. And we were all waiting for him to take that All Star leap. Then he goes to Oklahoma City, and he struggled in Oklahoma City. But he go, then he goes to Indiana, becomes an all star. And he said he said then that watching Russell Westbrook work, playing in those playoff games was extremely valuable. Taught him exactly how he needed to work to get to where he wanted to be. And, and again, you saw what he did in Indiana. And you know he's the kind of player that teams are trying to line line up and 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 acquire even now um, ahead of his free agency. That's the kind of environment the Magic are trying to create. And again, you can debate whether that's a good thing or not, and we could certainly debate whether the Magic have put themselves in a position to get back to the playoffs this year. I think it's a fair debate, and honestly, that's kind of where I'm disappointed. Is the Magic are, you know, I think they are clearly playoff capable, but I'm not favoring them to make the playoffs. And and frankly, we're at a point where the in the franchise's development, where failing to make the playoffs is failure. That is, the season is a failure if they miss the playoffs. But I wouldn't call last season a success. But they achieved their baseline goal, which was to make the playoffs and prove 2019 wasn't a fluke. 2019 wasn't a fluke. They proved that. Um, but the Magic are kind of caught in this trap where they're, they're trying to meet this this philosophy. But they need to also begin moving toward their future. And that's becoming tougher and tougher because their guys just don't have the value on the trade market that they hoped or thought they would.
0: I think there there are so many things at play that kind of um, contribute to the the fan frustration. And first of all, Luke, I would just like to, I give you props for not just completely dragging Evan Fournier through the mud. Like I know, part of you wants to, <laughs> right? The fact that you are acknowledging, you know, the fact that it as much as I'm sure you would like to have seen Evan moved. Uh, from this team, and there's still a lot of time left in between now and the regular season, so that there's still the potential for a, a deal to happen. It yeah. might be unlikely, but so there. In my opinion, there's a, a especially when it comes to Evan Fournier. There are, there are things that that frustrate fans. Um, one, they, they they just feel like the the one thing in the way of all of our young players being able to de- develop is one Evan Fournier and and two Nikola Vucevic. Right, Mo is never going to be the player that. That he has the potential to be while Vooch is still here. That's what they say. And then guys like, you know, uh, you know Jonathan Isaac or, or Markel Fultz are never going to reach their potential while, you know, Evan and, and, and Vooch are playing buddy ball, as, as the way that they say that. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is because of, like you spoke about, Phil, the team wants to compete, right? And the two you know most consistent high level players that the magic have at this point whether you like it or not are Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier there's no way around that for the last 2 3 years they have been high and far the the best most consistent players on the magic night in and night out evan did not have a great playoff run in the bubble vucevic did not play well last season against the raptors in the playoffs played his butt off against the milwaukee bucks Um, But I I think part of that is, one, the franchise wants to win. The front office wants to win. Steve Clifford wants to win. He's going to do what he thinks puts the team in the best position to win games. He's not going to go to Evan Fournier and say, hey, you need to stop taking so many shots. You need to stop dribbling so much. You need to defer to Markel Fultz. Clifford is just not going to do that as much as some of us might like that to happen. like. It, would I have been in favor of winning a few less games last year to, to get Markell, um some more reps as, quote-unquote, the guy to see if he can be the guy? Yeah, sure, maybe. But that's not what Steve Clifford is going to do, right? When it comes to the front office, when it comes to whether or not they decided to move on from Evan Fournier or, or move on from Aaron Gordon, m- me, this season is, is a wash without Jonathan Isaac. I, I think we feel like we might feel in agreement on that for the most part. Phil, I think you might be a little bit more optimistic than I am uh, when, it, when it comes to the, the capabilities of this season. Or, or what, maybe I shouldn't word it like that, maybe what you would like to see out of the Magic, maybe that's the way that I should word it. Without Jonathan Isaac, I mean, you, you do the best that you can when the deals present themselves for Aaron Gordon or Evan Fournier or even Vooch, you, you make those moves as long as it's a solid return. We have, you know, we hold these guys in higher regard. They don't have as much value as, as maybe we think that they should, right? Um, but you, you do that and then you make that turn towards these young players. Now, people are up in arms, like Luke said, about the fact that they didn't decide just to move Evan Fournier for any and everything that they could just for the sake of getting him off of the team. Um, and. and in some regards, the same thing with Aaron Gordon. They feel like he needs to be moved, and this front office should just do anything that they can and take any deal that comes their way, so that we can get Chuma Okiki and Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony and perhaps Mobamba at this point as much reps as, as we possibly can, and um, you know, and start a role or higher minutes, whatever you think uh, they they need to to develop a little bit more. Um, I guess really, what I would like to ask uh, the the both of you is. Sure, we didn't see this Evan move now. In my opinion, it it needs to happen by the trade deadline. And and no, you you cannot go further than that. It doesn't seem like uh, the team is going to re-sign Evan long-term, probably not willing to pay the money that it's going to take to sign Evan long-term. And then Aaron Gordon. To me, and and Phil, I guess I'll ask you this first. For me with Aaron, it kind of comes down to, come trade deadline, where is this point in contention as far as making the playoffs? This season, there's going to be the play-in tournament. So if you're the seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth seed, you're going to have a chance to make the playoffs at the end of the season. Okay. If the Magic find themselves somewhere like 12th or 13th in the East come the trade deadline, I think they're probably looking around at, okay, now is probably the time to move Aaron Gordon if we can. But if they're in playoff contention come that time, I could very well see them saying, okay, we still have Aaron Gordon for, you know, another, uh, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, He'll be his uh, contract will be expiring after next season.
1: Yes, he's so, got two years left on his deal.
0: Exactly. So they're still going to have the asset going into next season. So um, I, I guess that's what I would like to ask you, your feelings on when perhaps those two guys could be moved.
1: Honestly, I, I, I get the sense or the feeling that where the team is at isn't necessarily going to matter um, because okay. the right deal is going to— Solve that problem or, or the right deal is essentially going to to kind of give the magic what they need to keep the boat steady in the short term or giving them something in the long term, if that makes sense. Like, do you think Aaron, they would
0: be more opt to look for that deal for Aaron if they are out of playoff contention if, or you don't feel like it matters if, at all?
1: If they're out of playoff contention, I think what they're willing to take back changes. Okay. Um, like, again, let's let's look at the market that the magic had this this offseason. The Magic, like if we enter this thinking saying the Magic's first goal is to make the playoffs. That's, that's what matters most to them, rightly or wrongly. That's, that, that's just the position the Magic have put themselves in where they believe making the playoffs is goal number one and, and is the baseline. And, and the, the first thing we want to do is field a playoff team. And all the offers that the Magic were getting were essentially expiring bad contracts and draft picks. That's not going to move the needle for the Magic. That's not going to help them make the playoffs. That's not going to help them achieve their goals. And so they decided that that wasn't worth pursuing. I mean, obviously we saw that, you know, maybe the Magic fished around for Russell Westbrook a little bit and couldn't get anywhere with that. Um, You know, we saw the reports about the the, the Portland deal with Trevor Reza. That wasn't going to move the needle for the Magic. That wasn't enough. But let's say it's, you know, March. It's that all-star break. You know, maybe that's when the trade deadline will be. Um, It's March, the Magic are 12th, you know, maybe five games out of that final playoff spot. And they get that kind of same offer where they get a little bit of salary cap relief and maybe an extra pick in the 2021 draft or extra pick coming down the road because that double draft is coming sometime in the future still. Maybe then, maybe then the Magic are willing to do that deal. You know, so certainly if the Magic are out of the playoff picture or, or kind of fading out of the playoff picture... Maybe then they're willing to kind of take those deals where they're just getting back future assets and maybe some cap relief. Because remember, this offseason, the Magic have Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz's contract extensions to handle. Um, I honestly expect both to be handled in the next couple days, um, or at least before the season begins. Uh, they're dead, the deadline for that, I believe, is December 21st.
0: Really quickly, where do you think those come in?
1: I think the Magic are probably going to settle in uh, on Isaac probably close to $20 million a year, like a four-year, $80 million deal. Um, I'd like I to see that. I'd like to, I mean, I would like to see them just kind of slot him in the Evan Fournier slot at 17, but I, I don't know if, I don't know if Isaac's going to go for that. Fultz, I think it's a little bit trickier. Um, honestly, I would not, I, I would not surprise me if the magic take care of Fultz this year, or, or at least this off season, or if they take care of him at the beginning of next season and just kind of say, Hey, you know, here's the offer we have on the table. Maybe it's like 14, 15 million a year. We, we are going to put this on the table for you, but we completely understand if you want to bet on yourself and play the season out and this deal will still be on the table at the end of the year. We still believe in you that much.
0: I think you um, have to g- do that.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, I think if I'm Fultz, I say, you know, thank you. You know, I, I really want, love this. I really want to be here. I cherish this opportunity. Give me a chance to prove myself again this, this year. And let's get back to the negotiating table in July. Um, if I'm Fultz, I bet on myself here uh, and, and bet that I'm going to have another really good season and I'm going to up my value, up a couple, another couple million. Um, but again, maybe he maybe he wants the long-term security. Maybe he wants to take care of that now and not have to worry about it during the season. Um, you know, I, I could see it going either way. I think Fultz is a bigger mystery. Obviously, with Isaac, there's no more information to gain. He's not playing. Um, you're not going to learn anything new about him. And honestly, if I'm the Magic, I, I want to take care of him now and just say, hey, we believe in you. Go rehab, insecurity. We're going to take care of you. We're taking care of you now. We're not going to worry about. It. We're not going to worry about it. We're not going to wait. You don't need to worry about it. We're it's it's getting done now. That's how you I would approach it if I were the magic.
0: You don't think the injury
1: has wavered their opinion on him whatsoever? I mean, it's probably knocked a couple million off the price tag, but I don't think it's right. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's changed any how they feel about him at all. Perfect. Um, but we're, now back now back to that original original point. Um, you know, so if if the Magic are out of the playoff picture, they'll sell those guys off. They'll sell off at least, they'll certainly sell off Evan Fournier, but they'll sell off guys to to kind of boost their long-term prospects and do long-term deals, which is, I think, what was on the market. And ultimately why the Magic didn't do any deals is this market, this trade market, viewed the Magic as sellers, and the Magic aren't ready to sell. Um, And I don't know if that'll change when we get to the season. I mean, again, if the Magic are fifth, all of a sudden, they might be in a position where they're buyers, where they have guys that, that play that other teams like, and they can go make a bigger move, or wait till the offseason to make a bigger move. Um, the Magic aren't going to be fifth. Like let's let's let, let me let me slow yeah. down. Let me slow that yeah. down <laughs> there. Um, but if the Magic are seventh or eighth, they're probably going to be in the same position that they're in now, where the league doesn't quite know what to make of the players that they have that they have, and it's going to be tough for them to. And again, it might depend on how the rest of the season plays elsewhere it's going to be tough for them to make moves that significantly move the needle and help their long-term picture um, as well as kind of move off guys that are important to what they do in, in, in the short term. Um, An Evan Fournier deal feels inevitable. Um, it, it, and it's just a question of what they want back, how much they're willing to eat, how much salary they're willing to eat or or, or what they're willing to do to, to get, get him. And again, you're right. It's going to depend on what happens this season. And so if, Again, at the trade deadline, we're looking at a team that's that's you know hovering around 500 in the playoff hunt. What they're looking for is going to be different and what they'll accept is going to be different than if they're out of the playoff race. Um it's it's the 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 market's going to fill the need, I feel like.
2: And Luke, how do you feel about those guys if and when? Um yeah, so you're in an interesting scenario, I think. Um next year could be and I've talked about this a lot because it is something that I'm very intrigued in, and I don't think enough people are talking about it, at least not in the circles that I run in um, for basketball and NBA. Um, next year could be that double draft, that those, those seniors coming out of high school. Um, is
0: it 2022?
2: So, yeah. Next year's, next
1: year's draft, regardless, is very, very good. Like very even if, yes. it, even yes. if it's not the double draft, because the double draft is coming, and everyone's beginning it to it. It could be
2: next that. year, right? It still could. I,
1: I don't uh, as, I heard honestly,
2: 2023 and then I heard 2021 I thought.
1: Honestly, honestly with all the other collective bargaining agreement stuff that the league is having to deal with now because of COVID, I sincerely doubt that whatever projection there is for the double draft is going to be what when the double draft takes place. Like right. I would not so, bet I would not bet on it being 2021. Like I, okay. would, I, would, I would I would I would I would doubt that it's 2021. Um I would doubt that it'll be Whenever teams are planning for it, I doubt that's when it's going to be because COVID regardless, is completely super deep right. draft next year. Yeah, right, su- so, next year's draft is very very good. Regardless, that, and so. that's
2: what I was going to say. So if next year could if, be could like yeah, you were going to say Go if ahead. there's
1: if there's a year to accidentally tank, which is I think the method the magic would mind getting a high draft pick. They're not going to purposely lose the season before it starts. Yeah, if there was a year to be bad and and like like you know kind of accidentally tank, this is the year to do it.
2: Yeah, and. <laughs> And that might happen. The magic, honestly, might happen. Yeah, the the magic might not even have to make that decision. They could have been made for them, for them, to, based on our roster and performance. All that to say, if you get to the deadline, if you're approaching deadline and you are just outside playoff picture, it's interesting because the the magic could go either way, right? They could say. Yes, this is the case, but you know some of our young guys have gotten more run, and we project that we will be better than this by the end of the year, and we'll have a playoff spot locked down. Um, and therefore, we are keeping Aaron Gordon, um, but moving on from Evan, or you know who knows. We all we all agree Evan Fournier probably will be moved by deadline. Aaron Gordon is kind of on that weird line where we really don't know um, because the draft next year is so deep. There, it's not super top heavy, right? So you don't necessarily need that top three pick, top four pick, though it would be nice. Um, all that to say, I could see the magic kind of settling in and just saying, no, we're not going to tank. We're we're going to deal Evan Fournier, keep Aaron Gordon, see how much stride we can make. And if we end up with the 16th pick in the draft, we're not going to be too mad about it because we think we can find someone that's pretty good because of the talent of that draft. Um, so, yeah, all that to say, I, I tend to agree with you guys in terms of, Evan Fournier is going to probably be dealt. Um, I would say Aaron Gordon's dealt, but I really don't have a clue. Uh, it really does have to do with the philosophy of the team, what they think they'll be able to they'll, – they'll have a better idea of this team by deadline um, and be able to see if they think they can finish higher than where they're at by deadline. That's just kind of where I'm at.
0: Phil, you made a great point a, a few moments ago where you were saying that, you know, the number one goal for this front office is to make the playoffs. Right. And they're not going to to purposely lose games to to, you know, get a higher spot in the lottery. Um, I think that not not just not to,
1: not to start the season, at least <laughs> not to start the season. Right. Not to start. I mean, the if, season we, with the if idea we if we're if we're if we're in if we're in April and the team is way out of the playoff picture. Right. Mo is going to get a start. Like it, like right. I, I like. He, like I'm anti tanking. Like I am on the record. I do not believe in tanking as a strategy. I don't think it's worked ever. I mean, it's accidental tanking seasons work, but purposeful tanking does not work. Um, in my opinion. Uh, Sixers but are still looking for if that ring. Sixers are still looking for that ring. Exactly. The process did not. That, well, the Sixers wasted the process. If, if if it was going to work, the Sixers had it right. But. Honestly, uh, the other the issue with the Sixers is and why the NBA stepped in was essentially that agents didn't want to deal with them anymore. Agents were just just pissed was just, were just angry at Sam Hinkie for, for how he was manipulating the system. So um, that's that's I think that's part of the, that's part of it there. Um, uh, but and again, that's not who Jeff Weltman is. Uh, if if you're if you're you know sitting out so far out of the playoff picture in April and May, it, it's like what we saw back in the day too. Nikola Vucevic is out with a sprained ankle. Take an extra week, bud. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, again, like I can see that. I can definitely see that happening. I can see, you know, again, maybe you maybe you load manage guys a little bit. It's it's going to be a weird season. I think a lot of players are going to be on load management programs. Um, you know, again, we don't know what the schedule is going to look like. That second half of the season could get really cramped too, because at least by what I read in the NBA's press release about the scheduling procedures, the second half of the season is going to be the second half of the schedule. Plus any makeup games from the first half of the schedule that had to be canceled because of COVID. Mm. Um, so that second half of the season could get really, really, really tight. Um, so you might- know, depending on what happens, and again, we don't really know what happens. So um, it would not surprise me again if you're so far out of the playoff picture, the Magic make it make a decision to n- not rest guys, but give guys load management days. You know, let guys heal up longer for injuries. This team's already pretty cautious with injuries. Um, you know, we'll 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 see those guys get opportunities um, if the team's way out of the playoff picture again. So I, it's I, I I I I don't think the team wants to go into the season thinking that's what they're going to do, but if it comes up, I think the team will be willing to do that. My question
0: is this because uh, I think a lot of you know fans' concerns and rightfully so are getting stuck in that area of mediocrity. Right when when do the philosophies of make the playoffs at all costs and develop the young players. Like where does the – like something's got to give at some point, right? If you don't want to be stuck in mediocrity, if you do want to have the ability to develop these young guys and and see what they can do and how high they can bring the franchise, at some point you do have to sacrifice one way or the other. Either you're going to give up some of those young guys uh, to continue to make the playoffs – um, or you're going to move some of those veterans to bring in younger guys to try to reach the full potential of the team. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Because you do run the risk of getting stuck in me- mediocrity if every single season your number one goal is just to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think you do have to have a, a big-picture view of things. I mean, Evan Fournier is a really important player to this team, second-leading second scorer on the team last year, probably the most consistent player for the team all of last year. Um, You know, by all accounts, we should be, you know, really, really hoping that the Magic can continue to build around him or or win with him. And yet, you know, most of this podcast and most every conversation you have with the Magic, it's kind of almost universally agreed. His time with the Magic is up. It's over. It's done. I'm an Evan Fournier fan. People know that I support Evan Fournier. I don't buy into a lot of narratives about him. I do not think the Magic should resign him. I think his time is done with the Orlando Magic. Um, That's kind of where it, it, it starts is... You got to choose who you're going to pay. um the magic are going to choose to pay Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz. They're not willing to go in the luxury tax. this you know again, a lot of people freak out about the magic having the fifth highest payroll on, on in the league. and honestly, I think part of the reason why the magic weren't as active in free agency this summer was they were trying to keep themselves well below the luxury tax line.
0: I mean we're they still should never pay C.J. Watson
1: <laughs> exactly exactly. Timothy Moskov. Um, I mean this this, yeah. Uh, I'll, I think Mozgov's contract's off the books. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I
0: think I think it's modem. no. They're still
1: they're still right. They're still paying Mozgov, but he's not counting against the cap. That's 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 okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: they got that they got that salary cleared from the cap. Um, th- nevertheless, um, the nevertheless, you know, the Magic shouldn't pay the luxury tax. Only championship contending teams should pay the luxury tax. Um, and the Golden State Warriors who just spend a lot. Um, but <laughs> they're championship contending team maybe. Um. Only the top, 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 top team should spend the luxury, should pay the luxury tax. So the Magic have to decide who they're going to pay. There are real financial decisions to make. Um, and clearly, we all agree, Evan Fournier is not one of them. And so I think that's ultimately where the dividing line is, is deciding who you're going to pay and, and who you're going to invest money in uh, for the long term, for, again, three, four-year contracts. Um, again, Evan Fournier is not someone the Magic are willing to pay, so they're going to let him go. The Magic are probably going to invest in Jonathan Isaac. That probably means they're willing to part with Aaron Gordon. The Mobamba contract decision are is coming in twenty twenty after the twenty twenty one after the twenty twenty two season. They're going to have to make a decision on Nikola Vucevic. Then, um, you know, a lot of the trades we're talking about are either combining young guys with veterans to go get stars, or to take some of these veteran players like Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic. And break them down into two players or into you know more manageable players and salaries that the magic can then either consolidate and move again or can come off their books so they can pay other guys. That's ultimately where the decision points are. It's again, it's it's not always it's not always about basketball. It it is about basketball because it's about who you're deciding to pay. And and that's ultimately where you figure out how where you fit into the larger NBA scheme and, and how you get out of mediocrity. Um, you know, you look at the teams that Jeff Waltman and John Hammond have built with. The Toronto Raptors had DeMar DeRozan, who was the ninth overall pick in the draft. Um, they traded for Kyle Lowry. They, they, they built that team with largely middling draft picks. They were kind of a six seed. They won. They got to three seed once or twice. Um, and they slowly kind of built that up. And there are several points along that road where people were like, the Raptors need to blow it up. They're done. They've gone as far as they can. And, you know, Masai Ujiri, with Jeff Waltman as his assistant GM, kind of held the line Kind of kept kept with it, kept believing in that team, kept believing in some form of continuity, to be honest. And eventually they burst through. Now, do the Magic have a player as good as Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan? Probably not. And, and that's a larger problem that the Magic have to face too. But eventually they put themselves in position to make the trade that got them a title. Um, you know, I, I've, I've gone all summer saying the Magic are where the Miami Heat were two years ago. The Miami Heat were capped out. They were struggling to make the playoffs every year. Um, and and it didn't look like they were going to go anywhere, and it just kind of felt like they need to reset. They need to figure out a way to blow the whole thing up. And instead, they just kept kind of plugging away. They believed in their culture. They believed in what they had. And yes, because they're Miami, because they have Pat Riley, Jimmy Butler was interested in joining them. They were able to get Jimmy Butler in, and look where that that got them in just one year. The Magic obviously don't have Pat Riley. They're obviously not Miami, so they can't follow that path exactly. But essentially what I think the Magic are trying to do is put themselves in a position to make that kind of a trade when the time is right and when the right guy comes along. Um, has that guy come along? Have the Magic put themselves in that position yet? It doesn't. Uh, pretty, very clearly, they haven't quite yet, or, or, or they haven't. Um, and again, not having Jonathan Isaac there is probably going to kill that and, and push that dream off for another year at least. And so, you know, the Magic are stuck in mediocrity, but as I often tell people, being stuck in mediocrity is better than being stuck in the lottery ringer where you're not getting anywhere. And, and the Magic were there for five years, and now they're kind of at this level, and it's okay to be at this level for a little while. Um, but again, you just have to find a way forward. And, 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 and maybe the Magic have that with Marco Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. They got fig- to figure that out.
0: I think we're all pretty much in agreement, the three of us, that the Magic are in a good spot right now. They just, you know, people are, are saying that, you know, the, 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 there's jokes out there that during the start of free agency that Jeff Weltman's asleep. You know what I mean? That's clearly not the case. They're, they're not making moves just to make moves, and they're going to continue to be patient and just kind of bide their time until the right moves present themselves. So I feel like we're really all on the same page there. Um, one thing that, that Luke and I haven't really discussed yet, we've talked a little bit about Cole Anthony on the podcast so far, the three of us. But Luke, I wanted to talk to you. You and I um, talked a little bit during the draft, but run me through like the beginning of the draft, what your hopes were, um, kind of the way that things unraveled and kind of the way your expectations changed and then with the fifteenth pick and, and how you felt about that initially and now and then and then we'll kind of ask Phil the same thing
2: yeah so beginning of the draft um i i didn't really i, I had the guys you know that 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 we were that I wanted them to target um and then we get into you know the first eight nine picks there's some surprising picks made there are some surprise guys that surprised me that were falling um, deeper. And, and it looked like by like pick eight or nine. Oh my goodness. The magic literally can't mess this up. They, they can't They you you have a, a field of guys that, that I felt pretty confident in. Um, and, and so you get to that 15th pick, right? And, I'm I'm thinking, you know, guys like RJ Hampton and and some of those guys. Um, And like I said earlier, I didn't really have Cole Anthony on my radar, which it just I think it kind of just passed me by because there were so many names. Um, And I was just kind of like, well, I didn't know if Cole Anthony would even be here at this point. Uh, I don't really know. He shot, you know, whatever was like 38 percent at North Carolina last year. Um, And then we take Cole Anthony. Right. And and I at first I was like, uh, I don't know how I feel about it then you get into hearing him talk after the inner or after he gets drafted. And I think that was the first thing that really swung me the way to empathize with Cole Anthony and kind of his ups and downs that he had at North Carolina. This is a guy who rose through the ranks. Um, Jordan brand game, um, you know, the Nike summit team USA and uh, 2018, I believe uh, led led in scoring. Um, and you know, and then to hear him, you know, start to cry and get emotional um, about about everything about getting drafted just because of what he's gone to up to that point, he hadn't faced a ton of adversity right before he got hurt at North Carolina, and just as a guy who um, really did well for himself, finished shooting eight, you know, averaging like eighteen and a half a game at North Carolina, all those things, and um, it, like I said, he's a shot creator. Um, his attitude is great for this team he's a go-getter um, he came you know he he came through the adversity and he was better for it uh, I think that he was on a North Carolina team that wasn't super talented one of the most down years in North Carolina basketball but you know came out and an average I think like the second most um, by a freshman in North Carolina history had that um, big outing in his debut which was the most by um, a, a rookie uh, at North Carolina in his debut a freshman sorry um, so yeah, I I'm all aboard the Cole Anthony train. I think he's a go getter. I think he's got the right attitude. I love that. He's going to get to play with Markel Fultz, who I also feel is cut out of that same mold. Um, is it, just a go getter. I think Cole Anthony obviously is more vocal than Markel. Um, but attitude wise, man, they, they both are dogs and I'm, I'm really excited to see them play together and I'm excited to see him get meaningful reps for the magic this year. And how about you,
1: Phil? Yeah, I mean, I think if you had told me that the Magic were going to be drafting Cole Anthony at the beginning of the season, I would have said, man, season must have gone really, really poorly. (laughs) Um, uh, Look, it is, yes, I mean, I think some of the issues that caused Cole Anthony to drop at North Carolina are very, very real. Um, But I think a lot of it is also perception. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he was expected to be this all-star player, uh, and, and, and this, this, you know, dominant player in lead North Carolina to, you know, the national championship or, or whatever, whatever. So I I don't know where North Carolina started the year, uh, in the AP poll or anything like that. But I, I think a lot of the reasons why he dropped was, yes, the injury concern I think is real and the efficiency concerns are real. But I think a lot of the reason he dropped was frankly, that he was expected to do more like scouts expect expected him to do more. And they were like watching his game closer than ever. Um, You know, you can't, I mean, I don't think Anthony Edwards started off as the number one pick and, you know, he kind of blew the scene up, scene up and, and Georgia similarly struggled, but Georgia didn't have the expectations to be good from the beginning of the year. Um, so you can't, you know, I'm not saying that, that Cole Anthony is better than Anthony Edwards or Cole Anthony should have been the number one pick or Anthony Edwards shouldn't have been the number one pick. I'm just saying that how these guys might've been reviewed or how these guys might've been analyzed is, is almost certainly judged against expectation. Um, yeah. It feels like, and I think, obvi- I think undoubtedly, um, Cole Anthony has the talent. Um, you know, you don't start the year off as a top five prospect, and that just goes away. You know, barring just a traumatic injury, um, to get to get a guy of that talent at fifteen, um, it's the obvious pick. Um, you know, again, like I don't care unless he just did not look like he could play, um, which I think might have been some of the concerns with like R.J. Hampton. Who similarly struggled in, in his in, in his gap year to before the NBA and dropped. Um, Cole Anthony didn't struggle. Like he had efficiency issues, sure, but he put up numbers. He mm-hmm. he he clearly could play at that level. And, you know, and I was talking to some North Carolina people, and they all kind of agreed like he had nothing there. Like there was no one else who could help yeah. him. Like he had to carry that team by himself. So so he's not Tracy McGrady. You know, so what? Um, right. you know, it's hard to find Tracy McGrady's, but. If he can be a player who can kind of be a a change of pace point guard, can score, can create shots, you know, the Magic will be very, very, very happy. Um, And and I think, again, the draft is about finding players, um, finding guys who can play and and, and contribute something. And, you know, I think Anthony was very, very clearly the best guy on the board and, and a guy that does have star potential. And, you know, fans were looking for a home run swing, they were probably looking for it in a trade. They took a home run swing with Cole Anthony.
2: And and also I'll add before Jonathan we get your thoughts on Cole Anthony as well. This is another thing as you guys have probably can probably tell at this point I am a um am I I'm I'm big into thinking the front office knows better than me. Um and in this instance, you know they had a lot of scouting reports done on Cole Anthony Had saw him many times in person. Um, I think Matt Lloyd had a, they had a write up with him on, uh, the Orlando magic website talking about that. But I think, uh, apart from that article said, um, the magic had eyes on him all along the way. By the end of UNC season, Orlando had upwards of 30 scouting reports on him with over 12 live exposures in the 22 games that he played. So, this uh, this front office and the scouts were seemingly high on Cole Anthony, um, and, and so to to think they've got all that stuff. I think the one quote from Lloyd was something to the extent of you know that we have a lot of data on this guy, and I think that should probably put the Magic fans at ease who are hesitant of this pick, because anal- you know, scouting and analytics and all the things that are at the tool at the fingertips of these guys is far more than the the normal Magic fan looks into. You can look at you know his efficiency and say uh, he didn't shoot very well but like Phil said he had to take some bad shots end of the shot clock type things, um, being the guy at North Carolina that wasn't very talented, so end of the day man there's a lot of there's a lot of reports on this guy from the Magic's um, scouting um, scouts and I trust I trust the scouts in this situation um, if they're not scared off by his you know field goal percentage and three point percentage take a swing at him. Um, you had like like Phil said, this was a home run swing, and I I hope that it that it comes to fruition. I'm rooting for Cole Anthony all, all the way. He's got my full support because I think that he could be really good for this team.
0: I think a lot of the the draft pick really speaks to the uh, the confidence level that the Magic have in Markel Fultz, right? I think the at the absolute worst Cole Anthony is going to be a really solid backup point guard. He's uh, possibly a journeyman point guard that's you know could. Re- Do a lot of good for a lot of teams. People saw the pick and they're like, oh, what does this say about Markel Fultz? To me, it had absolutely, I I tweeted this out right after the pick, it had absolutely nothing to do with Markel Fultz, uh, but the belief that one DJ was probably on his way out of the door, um, and probably the belief that at some point the two of them could play together in the same lineups, right? I entered the draft kind of the, you know, what you were describing, uh, Ross, where some, uh, Phil, so no, why did I just call you Ross? That's yeah, okay. I've <laughs> <horse>. been <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Phil, sorry about that. Um, but with the, you know, the expectation that the magic, were going to take a home run swing and the hopes really that it was going to come through a trade. Uh, part of that was like knock out two birds with one stone trade up, get your guy at the same time, get, you know, either Evan Fournier or Aaron Gordon out of the door. Right. That didn't happen. Um, I'm a big Kevin O'Connor guy. I love his draft analysis, and when he, a couple of years ago, he was probably one of the first guys that I heard that was all over Luka Doncic saying this is going to be the best player in the draft. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and his opinion goes a long way with me. So when he has the analysis that he thinks Killian Hayes has the potential to be one of the best players in the draft, um, and I I watch, you know, he's got – a lot of off of the dribble moves right now. He's definitely got a long way to go. A guy that's probably going to be able to defend from day one. Um, Is he going to be the best player in the draft? I have no idea. I'm sure Kevin will admit that. He doesn't know either. That was my guy though. Every, every draft, Um, I I get like one darling that I would just love that if we picked at 15, I was really hoping for like the Tyrell Terry. I just thought that was going to be an exciting pick. Um, But other than that, it was to trade up for Killian Hayes when we saw him start to drop. Obviously he goes to Detroit. Um, But then at 15, I was hoping that it was going to be Tyrell Terry. I can't lie. I'm a North Carolina fan. I've been a North Carolina fan my entire life. And when we got word that he was committing to North Carolina, I I was through the roof. He was by far the number one prospect in that class and I, I thought he was going to be what Harrison Barnes was supposed to be different players, but Harrison Barnes came into North Carolina as by far the number one prospect and uh, never was never quite lived up to that billing was still very good at North Carolina uh, but didn't have the effect like a Kyrie or a Zion you know has in, in at, at, at Duke obviously but once again. Cole Anthony coming in, and, and and Phil, I think this kind of speaks to your point on what the perception was supposed to be. He was supposed to come in and just be this incredibly dynamic, dominant force, and he wasn't quite that. 18.5 points a game, he was still very, very good, albeit inefficient, um, but part of the reason that I wasn't so high on Cole was because he was a little bit underwhelming. He didn't quite live up to the expectations. With that being said, a lot like what Luke is saying. When this kid says, he's nobody is going to outwork me. I don't believe that there's 14 better players in this draft. I I believe him. You know, there's some questions like, you know, about Anthony Edwards, the ESPN article that came out, whatever you think about that. But the the quotes about, you know, him not being in love with basketball – Cole Anthony is in love with basketball. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that that kid is in love with basketball, and I have no doubt that he is going to do everything in his power to be the best player that he absolutely can be. This isn't a guy that we're going to be asking questions about, does he really want it, or uh, you know, questions about his motor, or anything like that. So I wasn't blown away by the pick at first, admittedly, um, but there's a video on the OrlandoSentinel.com uh, a few years back. I was at the Orlando Magic Draft Party, Camera right in my face. I wanted Dante Exum so badly <laughs> in 2014, and you. I'm looking up at the the jumbotron, and the pick for Aaron Gordon is announced, and you just see me just <laughs> drop back into my chair. I'm not proud of it because Aaron Gordon has probably become that the right pick at four in that draft. If you look back, uh, obviously there there are a few misses there is in every single draft, but at the time, Aaron Gordon was probably the right pick, right? Um, So I've been wrong before. I'm happy to be wrong about this. Wasn't excited immediately about the pick, but that probably subsided in about, you know, 10 or or 15 minutes. I'm super, super excited about the potential of Cole Anthony because if he can get back to the guy that we thought we were getting at North Carolina, this is a guy who has the potential to,
2: you know, make a few all-star games.
0: So... Yeah, oh, really, and, really, really excited about that.
2: And, you know, I, I'm sure we're getting to the end here, but I'll add to that, you know, you talking about wanting Dante Exum, which that's a hilarious story, actually. I um, don't like to admit it. That's
1: Hey, I, I, like, I'll add to that. The yeah. Jazz had the draft I thought the Magic should have had when they got Dante Exum and Rodney Hood. So, <laughs> so you know, the draft is all guessing.
2: Yeah. Right? And, don't feel bad. And, and last year, obviously, the case is still out on this one, but a lot of fans were, had question marks about Chuma Kiki. This Who often was happens the Magic guy, right? And and the fans really didn't probably do their research on Chuma um, because it was considered reaching for where we were at. Um, but now all I see on my Twitter and Instagram twenty four seven from Magic fans is all about Chuma. Everyone is about Chuma because guess what? You've done your research now. He's been out for a year. You you've watched his highlights probably from Auburn a thousand times. Um, you've done your interview research. He's a quiet guy, um, but but brings a lot to the table in terms of on court um, presence. So all that to say, when it comes to draft night, I think a lot of us our expectations are crushed. Jonathan, I remember you telling me you know uh, Killian Hayes is my guy, and but you know because he's my guy, the Magic won't pick him. It and a lot year. of times that is a that a lot of times a good thing that's a very good thing <laughs> so uh i at end of the day my my mantra is still the same i'm trusting this front office till they burn us and i don't think they have and i i think that guys like chuma will come in and contribute right away uh cole anthony will be good as well and get valuable minutes as the year goes on so i'm 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 all in with Cole Anthony. Um, I think he'll be a good player. He'll, like you said, there's not going to be ever a question mark about his motor. Um, seems to be very dedicated to the game um, and puts his heart, soul, and, and tears into it.
1: And let's uh, let's like add to that point too, kind of to this bigger picture. The Magic at you know like the big acquisitions for the Magic this offseason are going to be two draft picks. It's going to be Cole Anthony and Chumo Kiki. And you know I think there's been. You know, maybe some self talk or, or some some, some self justification on this, but I, I don't think it's completely off base. The magic probably, you know, Chumo Kiki probably goes in the top ten of this draft. If, mm-hmm. if if he were if he were coming out of college healthy, yeah. entering this draft, he's probably a top ten pick in this draft. So the magic are adding two, you know, feels like very high level rookies to this yeah. to this team. And granted, they're rookies. Don't trust rookies to do anything. Like they gotta prove themselves. But right. essentially like the two biggest acquisitions the Magic made were two draft picks. So this team did get younger this season. I know people are frustrated that young players aren't getting, you know, maybe like starting opportunities, which is which is fair. They're not getting starting opportunities. But this team did get younger. They do have a a, a young core that they're kind of growing and building. And honestly, both Cole Anthony and Chuma Okiki are going to come off that bench and they're going to play major roles for this team. I, I I don't see a way that Okiki is not... You know, again, maybe some load management, maybe some some like kind of easing him into it, especially early in the season. But I think Okiki's going to be the backup small forward for this team, the backup power forward for this team. I think he's going to play major minutes for this team this year.
0: Well, like you know, like I mentioned a moment ago, last year after the Magic took Chuma uh, at 16, I believe it was, Weltman said this this was our guy the entire time. Like we went into this draft saying tonight we want Chuma Okiki, and obviously. And even in last year's draft, Phil, you made the point that this year's draft, he probably would have been top 10. Had it not been for the 20 ACL, he probably would have been top 10 or a lottery pick uh, in last year's draft. So, um, Luke, when you're talking about Matt Lloyd talking about all the you know data that they have on Cole Anthony, that kind of gives me the, the same feeling that they went into the draft saying at 15, we want Cole Anthony. If Cole Anthony is there... He is is definitely our guy. So, uh, Phil, we we've kept you so long. I I appreciate the time. Last question before we head out here. Um, do you both feel like the roster that we have right now is the roster that we we field uh, opening night?
2: Um, uh, obviously speculation and just our opinions, but we've got about a month, right to the day, uh, December twenty second, as we are recording this. Um, I think. I think that I think this is the, the roster I think it's the roster we go into opening night with uh, fans and I might not be happy about that but guess what we've got till the tread deadline um, to, to figure things out so yeah uh, all that to say I, I think this is the roster I think it's locked in for the start of the year
1: I, I agree. Um, I don't think that I don't think the magic are interested in John Wall um, who's now apparently on the market. Um, I don't no. think a Russell Westbrook deal makes a lot of sense for this team right now. Um, And so the only if you're not going to trade up to get those guys, so to speak, um, the only way to go is to trade down, which is to take those deals that we said throughout this podcast that the Magic aren't willing to take right now. Um, So I don't think the Magic are willing to do that, Um, even with kind of how the East has shifted and shaped around them. I think the Magic still feel like they can compete and, and get a playoff spot or get a spot in the play in tournament at the very least. Uh, so I think that the Magic enter the season with the roster that they have now and, and going to camp with what they got.
0: Yep. I'm right there with you both. I feel like for the most part, all three of us are on the same page. Some people are going to love that. As we know, a lot of people are going to hate that as well. So, but, Philip, you have been incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, my friend.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good, good stuff as always.
0: All right. Thanks,